Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here. And this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, December 3rd, 2023, from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 1. Good morning. Welcome to Advent. This is the season where we're turning our hearts and our minds toward Christmas and we're thinking about God coming down and becoming one of us so that he could rescue us. It's incredible. And we're, as we do this through, through the, seri- the season of Advent, we are thinking about this prophecy from the ancient, the, the, the ancient prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 7 when Isaiah looked the king dead in the face and said, um, he said, the Lord himself is going to give you a sign there, pal. And the virgin is going to conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. We find out in Matthew chapter 1 that Emmanuel means God with us. God is actually going to be on earth with his people, and then what happens to people when God is with them? God with us, what next? What do we become? What are we like? What, what, how do people respond? And, and when you look at the different stories in the Christmas story, the different moments and acts and vignettes, what you find is that people respond in really, really cool ways to God being with us. So that's what we're looking at. Okay, um, we're going to read in the Gospel of Matthew this morning in chapter 1. If you'd like to follow along, if you've got a copy of the scriptures, Otherwise, I'll read it to you. But before we get there, um, I, I have a theory about marriage, and I don't know if anybody will agree with me, but I have a theory that in, within a marriage, there are two types of people. There's the one person who trusts the machine called the dishwasher, and then there's the soaker. Do you, does anybody have this in their marriage? You've got the person that just trusts, just with blind faith, that this machine is going to get these dishes clean. And then you have the other person in the marriage who's known as the soaker. And if the soaker is doing dishes, then you have bowls and pots and pans and everything just all scattered all around the kitchen, full to the brim with water. And no one can go in the kitchen when the stuff is soaking. And I think you can probably already tell which one of these people I am. I I do not trust the dishwasher. I'm I'm a soaker from way back. And, And my thing about, thank you, okay? Here's my thing. My relationship with the dishwasher, I don't trust it because it's, that's been a toxic relationship. I've been, I've, I, have, I have lost trust way too many times. I've had that trust broken by the dishwasher, especially if it's like a really like starchy meal or something like that. You got mashed potatoes. You're soaking that bowl. I don't care who you are. Well, Christy is always like, why don't you just put them in the dishwasher? That's why we bought the thing, you know? And, and I'm like, because I want them to actually get clean. And this is where you get these kind of conversations, you know? So this one time, and I think I'm right about it. But um, <laughs> so this one time, we had had, uh, Christy had made her world famous chili. I mean, it is awesome chili. I mean, it's not award winning like Wendy's apparently, but it's good chili. It's really good chili. And, um, and so after the meal is over, I'm soaking everybody's bowls. And, you know, you, w- normally you put like whatever's left of the chili into a, like a Tupperware or something like that. But I think Manny was over, so we didn't have any chili left. The, 
the brother tears up the chili. So I'm, and I'm going to soak all the bowls and soak the crock pot. And I've got the hot water and I've got everything set out just so in the sink, on the counter, on the stove. And I've got the crock pot itself and it's up on a thing. And I'm, and I'm just like, nobody bother me. Everything's cool. This is all going to work out. And then somebody startled me or something, something happened. All I know is in an instant, the entire kitchen and the entire Lee was covered in hot chili water. It was just chili water everywhere. The crock pot is empty, chili water all over me, chili water all over the kitchen. And Christy's like, what's up with that, buddy? And I'm like, let's not talk about the chili water. So here's my question off of that. Have you ever been wrong and then you were proved to be wrong, but you still think you're right? Is anybody in this room like that? Like, you were wrong. The situation played out. You were proven to be wrong. And still, in the back of your brain, I'm like, I know I'm right about this. Soaking, soaking is the way to go, man. I'm going I'm to be a soaker till the day I die. But, okay, how about this? Um, has anybody ever given you really, really great advice? And you're like, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not listening to them. I'm not going to do what they said. Okay, let's go a layer deeper. In your relationship with the Lord, has he ever told you to do something? You're like, no, I'm not. I'm totally not going to do that. Mm. Got a couple honest people in church. That's really cool. I like that. I like that. That in this room, there are seven people who have said to the Lord, I'm not going to do that thing that you are telling me to, that you're telling me to do. Um, okay, well, let's ask it this way. Has the Lord ever led or asked you to do something that you knew was going to be really scary? Something that you knew was going to be really frustrating? Has he ever asked you to wait a long time on something? I'm not going to look at certain people right now, but I know some of y'all. Okay, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 1. There is, a, there is a character in the Christmas story who floors me every single time I read this story. I'm just floored by this person. This is Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He knew what he was going to do. This is verse this is verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Wow. We all know what that means. He didn't consummate the marriage until she gave birth. We're all on the same page here, right? I have to spell it out. Okay, um, this is a miracle, y'all. Nobody said amen, but what just happened? We've all just witnessed it here. A teenager just did what they were told to do. Just the first time. No lip, 
No. And look, don't y'all look at me like that. I'm, this is, some people have a hard time believing some things that are in the Bible. This stretches the imagination right here. This is an exercise of faith. A teenager just did what they were told. I'm playing. It's all y'all. A person, a human being just did what they were told. Can you imagine this? A human being just did what they were told to do. This is unbelievable. How did he do it? By the way, what was he being asked to do? Number one, as soon as Joseph, now we don't really do this in our culture because it's just, it's just different, but when, when people got married back in the day, there was all kinds of financial arrangements that would take place. There was a dowry, there was a bride price, all this kind of stuff that we don't really do, we don't really understand. People do spend a lot on rings and whatnot, and they spend a lot on weddings and whatnot, but we don't really do things the way they did. One thing that we need to understand is what Joseph was being asked to do, I, I should actually change that, he was being told to do. It's interesting, when we, you know, what we looked at last week with Mary and how the angel Gabriel came to her and he laid out this proposition for her and she had to say yes to it. This was, this was an opportunity, it was a chance, it was a proposition and she said yes to it. Once she said yes, this dude didn't have a choice. Now he's just being told what to do. This is what you're going to do. And because of that, here are some things that you're being asked to do. Mary is pregnant, you are not going to divorce her. You need to not be afraid to take her home as your wife. That means whatever, and like when he first found out she was pregnant, he could have had all kind of financial restitution. He could have gotten some money back. He could have saved his own name in a lot of ways. He could have humiliated her. All of these things. And he is being asked to, to forfeit all of that. Not only that, but he's being asked to absorb and enter into whatever embarrassment or shame or being talked about that Mary was going to receive. He was going to onboard all of that himself. Neither one of them did anything wrong. But you're, gonna, you're, you're now going to have to forfeit whatever you could have gotten back. You are going to absorb and share in all of the embarrassment and shame and being talked about and being excluded and being rejected by your friends and your family and your neighbors, all of that stuff. You're going to have to do all of that. You're going to have to now arrange a private wedding ceremony. You need two witnesses. Who can we trust? Who doesn't hate us? Who isn't talking about us? Can we find anybody like that? This logistical nightmare. And then, and then, you're going to marry her and then you can't have sex until the baby is born. So there's, and they would live in these tiny little rooms. I mean, this is like, this, this is an unbelievable high school dude right here. And I think we all just need to recognize this. He was being asked to, like, you're going to bear this thing, this stigma for the rest of your life. But right now, you have to marry her and you can't even do it. And he's like, dang. Because the prophecy was that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Has to be a virgin the whole time. The prophecy said the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. So you're being told to do all of these things. You realize, um, some of you know this already probably, but there is no word recorded in the scripture that Joseph ever said. He never opens his mouth in the, whole, the whole time. So he never gives any lip. He never does anything. He wakes up from his dream and he just does what he's told. How in the world do you just do what you're told? That's amazing to me. 
He was being asked to enter into this. There was going to be waiting. There was going to be loss. There was going to be shame and embarrassment, rejection, exclusion, his family, people talking about you, all of that stuff. And he just says, yes, I will do it. And he did it. Then he did it. This is amazing. How did he do it? Um, well, I think in order to answer some of that, we need to learn something about Joseph and something about Jesus. The something about Joseph is a few pages later in the Gospel of Matthew, after Jesus has grown up. It's about halfway through the, the Gospel of Matthew in, the, in chapter 13. Um, and people are arguing about who Jesus is, and they're trying to you know, figure out he's doing some amazing things. He's back in his kind of home region. And people are like, man, look at these miraculous things. Who is he? Where did he get this stuff? And somebody said, wait a second, isn't that the carpenter's son? That's the first thing we need to learn. Joseph was a carpenter. Second thing, we need to learn something about Jesus. We're going to go back and pick that up in just a second. And when Joseph first talked to Mary, I don't know how he found out. I don't know if he found out through a mutual friend. I don't know if his parents came and told him what was up. I don't know what happened. But you know he was heartbroken. And at some point, he goes to her and he's like, you're pregnant? Yes. What? 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 Why? What happened? Look, I, I know you're not going to believe me because nobody believes me, but like, I didn't cheat on you. What do you mean you didn't cheat on me? I didn't. I didn't cheat on you. What do you mean? An angel of God came to me. Oh, an angel of, an angel of God came to you. She's like, just bear with me, okay? Just for a second. I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. An angel of God came to me and said that I was going to miraculously get pregnant with the eternal Messiah of God. The eternal king of the universe. And the angel said he's going to sit on the throne of his father David forever and ever and his reign will never end. And Joseph's like... That's a good one. That's like really something. That's not what I expected to hear. I expected to hear that it was that dude in math class. But like this is really, really, come on. And she's like, I'm telling you, this is the truth. And I don't know if they got in a fight. I don't know if he went off. I don't know what he's thinking, but he's like, this is ridiculous. At some point he goes home, he goes to sleep and the angel shows up in his dream and he's like, it's legit, it's true. It's like, after, um, it's, it's like after the video replay and the ref comes back out on the field and he's like, after further review, the ruling on the field is confirmed. Eternal Messiah of God. <laughs> replay second down. And he's like, and, and so this is the information that he has now. He wakes up from this dream and what he has now found out is that not only is it true, but the baby is a king. So we have on our hands a carpenter and a king. Why does that matter? The carpenter and the king, we're going to look at this for just a second. The carpenter, what you find out when you read a lot of biblical scholars and stuff, they say, you know, he could have been a carpenter. He could have been somebody that just worked with wood. He could have been a stonemason. He could have been kind of like a general contractor. He could have been one of these guys that just knows how to do everything. Just one of these problem solver guys. We've got some of those in this room. We've got some people like that in this room. And when I have a problem, I'm calling them. I'm calling Charlie, and I'm calling Joe, and I'm calling Steve. I'm call Half the time, to be perfectly honest, we call Nora. Like, she just knows how to fix stuff. 
I don't know, Christy calls it her Nora magic. Like, they're just people, they just know how to do stuff. They're just problem solvers. They just get, things just make sense. And they just know how to do everything. One thing that I think is really interesting and cool, just knowing some, like, by the way, I should say, I can't do anything. Like, I, like I'm the least handy person you personally know. Like, like anything that would be within like a, the zip code of a trade, I, like I can write you a song about trades. <laughs> like I can play some guitar chords and sing about trades. I can't do anything. And, and so whenever I have a problem, I'm calling one of these people that knows how to do something. And I, after you know, hanging out with guys like that, being friends with folks like that, the thing that I can tell you is like, trades people, like people that are like, like skilled laborers, they have a great respect for each other. And they understand something that not everybody in this world understands. And some of you that are good at stuff like this, you can amen anytime you want to, but they understand a thing that's true in this world, which is that experience plus expertise equals authority. Experience plus expertise equals authority. Here's what I mean by that. If I come home and my floor is flooded and it's not because one of my, you know, like the crock pot fell over <laughs> where I'm soaking the dishes, then I'm calling a plumber. And that plumber is going to come in and tell me what needs to be done. And he has authority over me. I have no authority in this situation whatsoever. Whatever he tells me to do, I'm doing it. And some of y'all, it doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how many books are on your shelf. It doesn't matter how many letters are after your name. If your house is full of water, the plumber has authority over you. Because expertise plus experience equals authority. I can remember when, um, when we were in college, Charlie had a job at Circuit City, and he was doing like um, like car alarm install and car radio, like car stereo install, and he would install those um, automatic start things in cars. Really cool. Oh, Circuit City was a building <laughs> where you would go to buy like stereos and CDs. So he was doing all this like stereo. Sorry, CDs were like these. <laughs> Plastic things. Explain. So, Charlie was like really, really good at this installation process. And I was talking to him one time. I was hanging out with him at the shop, and and I was like, "You like your job?" He's like, "Yeah, I like it." What's what, what's like your least favorite part of this job? He was like, "Dude, my least favorite part of this job is the customer. When the customer wants to float around behind me like they know anything." And they want to like watch my work, like, oh yeah, you know, with the flanger and the, you know, like, like, dude, you hired me because you don't know how to do this. Like, that's, don't float around behind me. I know what I'm doing. By the way, I'm about to do some things that are going to make you very uncomfortable. Remember Charlie saying one time, I'm about to take a sawzall and cut a hole in your Lexus. And that's going to make you very uncomfortable because that's, but that's because I know things you don't know. I know how to do this. That's a very important thing that a guy like Joseph would know cold is expertise plus experience equals authority. If you have to call me, it's because you didn't know what to do. So what Joseph and what, and what you know, carpenters and what plumbers and what electricians and all these kinds of folks, what they want from their customers is, from their clientele is, 
Ask questions, listen, listen carefully, and then act accordingly. That's your job, because you don't know what is going on here. I know more stuff than you. Does this make sense to you all? This is a thing Joseph would have understood. The customer's responsibility is to ask questions, to listen carefully, and to act accordingly. So this is the mind of this young dude, right? All of a sudden, he finds out Mary's pregnant. He goes and talks to her, and she's like, oh, by the way, it's, I didn't cheat on you. It's the eternal king of the universe. That's what Messiah means, king. This is the king they've been waiting on since the Garden of Eden. It's the eternal king of the universe. And Joseph's like, that's ridiculous. An angel shows up. It actually is. And then when he wakes up the next morning, he's like, a king? Like, a king. How am I supposed to be the dad of a king? What am I supposed to do? I don't know anything about kinging. I don't know how to king. I know how to fix stuff. I know how to build things. I know what to do in those areas. I don't know anything about kinging. Like, they got to manage gigantic budgets and armies. They got to, like, pacify factions, I guess. There's international diplomacy. There's all this stuff. I don't know anything about any of it. How am I supposed to do this? Oh, when you don't know what to do, you call someone who has expertise and experience, and you ask them. And then you listen carefully, and you ask questions, and you act accordingly. That's what a tradesman would know. And he knows, I don't know anything about the trade of kinging. I can't king. I don't know how to king. I don't know how to teach kinging. I don't know how to do this. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do what I'm told. That's where Joseph got. I'm just going to do what I'm told. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the older I get, the more I realize I know less about myself than I thought I did. Anybody else feel that way? I know less about how this works than I really understand. I know less about relationships than I thought I did when I was 15, 16 years old. I actually knew less then, but I'm understanding now that I, I know less than I thought I did at any point. I'm, I'm, the older I get, the more I realize I know very little about how I tick. I know very little about how this works. I don't know very much about the human heart and relationships. I don't know how to make this stuff work. But guess what? There is an expert here. God with us. The one who invented the human heart. The one who has always been in relationship. Eternally has been in a relationship of love. And he has some instructions for us. The king has instructions for his subjects. Instructions like, when somebody talks about you, pray for them. Well, that sounds like a really stupid thing to do. Yeah, because you don't know anything. I know more than you do. When somebody persecutes you, you should bless them. Well, I don't want to do that. I know you don't want to do it. But expertise and experience equal authority. And you don't know as much as you think you know. Hey, when somebody, when somebody sins against you and they break your heart, you need to forgive them. Not only do you need to forgive them, you need to forgive them 70 times, seven times. Like until you just lose count, you need to forgive them. When you sin against somebody, you need to go to them and you need to confess it and you need to make it right. The king has some instructions for us. 
And I think a, a really good thing for us to be getting good at is to understand I am not an expert in the area of my own heart and my own life. I am not an authority on what makes me tick or makes any of this work. I have an expert on hand, and I need to take his expert advice. Um, there's this really insightful and amazing passage in a book near the, near the end of the New Testament called James, where um, in chapter one, where James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generous, generously to all without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave on the sea. It's like tossed this way and that way. That kind of a person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is a really interesting passage where, where James says, you know, basically he's given this unqualified promise that if you need advice, you can just ask God and he'll tell you what to do. If you don't know what to do, you can say, God, what do I do here? And he will tell you, but he won't tell you if you ask and you doubt. And I'm like, dang, I have a lot of doubts. Like, I, I doubt a lot. Of, does anybody else have doubts in here? Like, I mean, that seems like a really, really high entry cost to getting some advice. Well, here's something really cool. That word that we've translated doubt, it's used all over the New Testament, a ton of different times. And every, almost every time it's used, it's translated into different English words. Like one time, that same word is translated hesitate. One time, that same word is, is translated discern, like deciding from one thing and another thing. It's translated judge, like a judge carrying out, you know, giving a sentence, banging the gavel. It's translated in one place, dispute. What James is saying is, you can ask God and he'll tell you what to do. But if you're like, I'm gonna ask, but then I'm gonna like discern whether or not I wanna do it. I'm gonna judge whether or not I think that's a good idea. I might even hesitate on that or I, or I like, I might even like kind of dispute with God about whether or not I think this is good advice. He won't tell you. We're not doing it that way. Because experience and expertise equal authority. And if you have not yet gotten to the place where you think you can't do your own, you can do your own plumbing, you can fix this yourself, then you're not really asking yet. It's really cool. Um, James, the guy that wrote that really insightful thing, Anybody know who his dad was? His dad was Joseph. He was the half-brother of Jesus. His parents were Mary and Joseph. He grew up with Jesus. And he grew up with Joseph. And I don't know, but what if he learned that little thing right there? Of like, you can ask God for whatever you want, but you need to realize that if you're asking, it's because you don't know. And if you're asking because you don't know and you ask the expert, then you need to do what he says. And if your mindset is, I'm going to ask God what, what I need to do and I'm going to do what he says, whatever he tells me, then he'll tell you and he'll tell you generously without finding fault. I mean, what if James heard that from his dad? What if he heard it from his brother? What if he heard it around the dinner table sitting between the carpenter and the king? This week, um, this is what I'm going to try to do. You're welcome to join me if you want to. Um, I'm, 
I'm going to start with stuff I know the king wants me to do. I'm going to confess if I need to, and I'm going to forgive if I need to. And I'm going to pray for somebody if I need to. <laughs> and I'm going to start there. I'm going to start with doing stuff I know he wants me to do already. And then start asking for advice when I don't know what to do. If you want to join me, I think it would be a great way to walk into Advent. Emmanuel, God with us. So now let's get good at taking expert advice. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for our time together. And thank you for... Um, Thank you for being the, the one that has the expertise, the one that has the experience, the one who knows what to do. Would you give us the humility to take ourselves out of that chair and to know we need to, we need to ask, we need to listen, and we need to act accordingly. Help us to get a little bit better at it this week. It's in your name we pray, amen. We're all walking in the darkness We all stumble in the night Lord, did you forget about us? Are you gonna make this right? Is this how we always will be? Is this what we'll always do? Do we have a hope of changing? Can we ever come to you? Wash, make us clean Oh, come down and change everything Heal broken hearts Give us reason to sing Oh, come down and change everything Lord, what do you have to offer? Those who've lost all that's inside Our other plans have been exhausted We're too tired to make this right Would you take our hands and guide us Lost her way so long ago Fill our hearts, Lord, and allow us To trust you and bring us all back home Back home Undo our own Wash me change everything heal broken hearts 
Give us reason to sing Oh, come down and change everything Undo our wrong Wash, make us clean Oh, come down and change everything Heal broken hearts Give us reason to sing Oh, come down and change everything